0: The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine containing topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month... Making software and computers accessible for people who are blind or visually impaired can begin with just one phone call. Welcome to ACB Reports for November 2014. The American Council of the Blind is famous for collaborating with business and industry to work toward improving the daily lives of people who are blind or visually impaired. ACB member Albert Rizzi, the founder and CEO of My Blind Spot Incorporated, and Ted Drake, the accessibility engineer at Intuit Incorporated, maker of QuickBooks software, discuss the process of making that software accessible for people who are blind and visually impaired. As Albert explains, it began with one phone call. It was
1: uh, two short years ago that I was sitting out there and now I'm standing up here. It's a little overwhelming. What my blind spot has achieved could not have been realized without my having joined this family, this powerful group of advocates who fight tirelessly and dedicatedly for equal access to all things, great and small. So the first thank you I want to extend is to you, my family, my fellow blind peers, my leaders, my inspiration. Thank you. Second, what we've accomplished through a simple dialogue, a simple phone call, made to an open and receptive individual on the other end of a phone, Laurie Samuels from Intuit, is why we are here today to talk about the accessibility and usability that was built back into a 20-year program that was custom-developed, custom-built years ago, pre-ADA, pre-MSA, pre-Microsoft. They've heard us, and we need to thank Intuit from the bottom of our hearts for actually understanding and embracing accessibility and taking the steps towards creating an equal opportunity for us all to manage our finances. It's unfortunate though, I have a plaque here to bestow to Lori Samuel. She's not able to be here with us today, but we have our point person from Intuit, Ted Drake from Intuit. Ted has been an integral part of our process and our team. One of the things I've learned after joining the ACB and from a very fantastic presence in my life who was one of the inspirations and driving forces behind what we did with Intuit, Dixie Sanderson. We told Dixie's story to Intuit about how any number of people across the world could join this fantastic collection of people through no choice of their own and ostensibly lose access to just about Everything, given where they came from, it feels like everything. Dixie Sanderson was a real-life story of a real-life person who really lost her eyesight and, like me, did not take it lying down, looked for every option and everything available to get back on top. When Intuit saw Dixie's story, they really got what was needed. They understood accessibility, and they looked at ability as opposed to the disabled. At that time, we started working with John Martin, an ex-Marine who is our scriptor extraordinaire. We worked with Steve Clark at Adaptive Technology Services. And of course, Laurie Samuels, who took the call, and then Laurie branched out and invited Ted Drake and Cheryl Aranha in India to oversee all of the underlying programmatic adjustments and changes that needed to be made to the core platform because as anybody here can profess, scripting is not a solution to accessibility. Intuit understands that. And they are actually taking the definitive steps to work accessibility into their core product lines. And we started with QuickBooks and the conversation is continuing. We branched out then and we took in other people, members of this family. Caitlin Lynch, now married Manjillo, she heads up our newsletters and our social media work. Gabriel Havardi is helping us with fundraising. Kathleen Cochran, an old friend of mine who's been with me since we started my blind spot. And the recent addition to the family, Vita Zavoli and Richard Kelly. They deserve that because they took 20 years' worth of source documentation, Richard and Vita together, and they created a user's guide and a set of virtual lessons that incorporate all the keystrokes and all the commands that were built into the first phase of what we've done with QuickBooks. There's still work to be done. There are still areas that have some nagging issues. We've scheduled that for 2015. And Ted is going to share with you some thoughts and ideas that Intuit has about accessibility and where they're going next. We are selling QuickBooks, including scripts for JAWS. Nothing will be extra. We're not going to bilk and overcharge our community, we get that done to us enough. And we've also got NVDA on board. If you like NVDA, you have a link to get that going. And uh, through no fault of their own, and it's all been great. All of the changes and adaptations that GW Micro has gone through and is now housed with AI Squared, we lost some traction. But you'll be looking at Window Eyes as an option because one of the things that my blind spot believes committedly is access to the right tools, promotes ability, and restores infinite possibilities. We want you to have infinite possibilities and infinite choices in everything we bring to you. And I'm going to introduce Ted Drake, the accessibility engineer across all platforms and product
2: lines from Intuit. Hello, everyone, and thank you for inviting us in. We have two QuickBooks products. There's QuickBooks Desktop and there's QuickBooks Online. The QuickBooks Desktop is the one that is fully accessible. QuickBooks Online, we are working on. We just, in fact, got a full evaluation from Deque, uh, which is a consultant that we also use, and we're working on that. We've got our roadmap. I joined Intuit two years ago. Uh, before I was at Intuit, I was with the Yahoo Accessibility Lab, working with uh, Victor Saren and Alan Brightwin. I joined into it because I knew for a long time Intuit was a company that cared about customers. And a lot of companies say that, but Intuit means it. However, they didn't always consider people with disabilities as their customers. And that's a problem. But we are doing that now. I joined two years ago. I manage accessibility across all the products. We have worked with My Blind Spot. We've worked with many different uh, users. We've done user studies. We are trying to integrate people into all of our beta testing. I do evaluations every day. I work with all the teams. I just want you to know that accessibility is a journey and we are well on our journey to making our products accessible. We already have plenty of them that work really nicely, especially our mobile apps. This project that we did with uh, My Blind Spot has been truly amazing. We went from a product that nobody thought could ever be fixed because literally the core of it was 20 years old and had not been touched in 15 years. And we're basically going into the product people and saying, we want you to tear apart that code that works fine for millions of users, and we want to fundamentally change it so that we can make it accessible. Now, most companies would think about that, and they'd say, there's no way that we're going to cause that many possible changes. Uh, Who knows what would happen when you go back and find bugs for years and years and years? But the leadership of QuickBooks, to their credit, they saw what Albert and what Dixie were dealing with, and they said, this is a no trade-off. We're gonna make QuickBooks desktop accessible. It's been a really great project, and we're going forward with next year to fix what was left out from uh, QuickBooks 14. Earlier, you mentioned collaboration. One of the nice things about Intuit is we sit in Silicon Valley right next to LinkedIn and Yahoo and Workforce and PayPal. We all work together. Uh, We have meetings where we have dinner and we talk about stuff. And one of the things I would like to do this week is get to know more of our small business, more of our accountants, more of our people that are trying to do their finances and their taxes, and sit down with you and get your feedback. I want to find out what we can do to make your job or your life easier, even if it doesn't involve one of our products. Like I said, it might be that I can give feedback to one of the other companies. Once again, thank you very much. I think this can be a great uh, opportunity for us in the future.
0: That was Albert Rizzi, CEO of My Blind Spot Incorporated, and Ted Drake, accessibility engineer of Intuit Incorporated. And this is ACB Reports from the American Council of the Blind, where our subject this month is making computers and software accessible. Rob Sinclair is the Chief Accessibility Officer for Microsoft. He describes the important role accessibility now plays at Microsoft.
3: Well, thank you so much. Really great to be back again. So first of all, has anybody heard that we have a new CEO? Yeah. yeah. So this is something we're really excited about uh, because Satya Nadella is not only somebody who um, has a great strategy for the company, but also cares deeply about accessibility. So. Um, We've had a lot of great conversations about what that means for Microsoft and for all of our customers. And I think one of the things I'm most excited to say is that the way he thinks about it is he's talking publicly about three things. He's talking a lot about mobile, he's talking about cloud technologies, and he's talking about people-centric technologies. And that's really where, I think, for us, accessibility directly aligns with where the company is heading. So it's just an exciting time for us at the company, a lot of different changes happening around Not only what we're doing, but how we're doing it. So, really happy to say that accessibility is a core part of the way he's thinking about that. As we talk about that, there's a couple of things we've done in the last six to eight months, which I think start to illustrate the way we're thinking differently about accessibility. Uh, First is we're thinking about the economics of accessibility. Has anybody heard about the GW Micro partnership with Office? So that was directly in response to the feedback we've heard about the desire for having commercial quality established screen readers at a different price point. So really excited about the opportunity there that Office took to work with them. And now, of course, they're part of AI Squared, so it is working even stronger. Now, that doesn't mean we're not continuing to work with our other AT vendor partners. We absolutely are. We believe Freedom and Dolphin and NVDA and all these other screen reader companies are doing fantastic work. And so... This is not a sign that we're backing away from anyone else. It's that we're working with everyone to think about how do we change the economics of screen reading solutions. At the same time, we are investing heavily in our own, in Windows Narrator. How many people here have used Narrator? All right. That's good. So there are some really great advancements in Narrator that have been coming over the last year. Um, In Windows 8.1, for example, we're supporting 16 languages now. We are adding better and better support for the web, for rich documents and content, whether that's uh, for school or at work. So a lot of great work happening there in the Windows team. And one of the things that's interesting about how we're thinking differently is we've also brought together our engineering teams that used to be separate between the phone, the Windows team, the IE team, the Xbox team. They're all now one core accessibility team at the company. And why that's important is what we're going for is for you as a consumer to have one seamless experience across your Microsoft solutions. And so one of the things I wanted to do today real quickly is let one of our new investments speak for itself. Starting narrator. Now that is on our Windows phone. And this isn't a $400 device. This is Close a $60 to activate. Nokia phone that I'm running Narrator, our new screen reader on. We've now got it on the desktop, the phone. So this is working across our other platforms. And Brett Humphrey is here today from our Windows start window, start page. accessibility team and is so anxious to speak, you know. Quick launch, section. People, Dinette Sinclair, 5 of 31. Messaging, 2 of 31, double tap to activate, triple tap to select. Hotmail 12, items Napoleon Hill Foundation ever fantasize about being a published author. People Bill Sinclair, 31 of 31 double tap to activate. People Richard McHenry, 8 of 31 double tap to activate, triple tap to select. The reason I did that is I just wanted you to hear that it's not only working, but we actually are really proud of the voices we have, and we've got good performance, and it actually allows you to navigate that new modern experience that we have, which is very easy to navigate. Um, It's also great for low vision, for low dexterity, or limited dexterity. So we're really focusing a lot on the modern experiences that Microsoft is delivering and making sure those give great accessibility experiences. That's some of what we've been doing, but, you know, it's not all about the narrator. It's also about the work we're doing in Office. How many people here are using an Apple product? That's the best applause the Microsoft guy got all day. So... How about, how many people here are using Office? So we are really excited that you can now use your Office products on your Apple devices. And that is what Satya means when he talks about mobile first. We are designing our solutions and we're going after providing our world-class productivity solutions on whatever platform and device you're using as a consumer. That is a major shift for us and something we're really excited to be leveraging. So I'm glad to hear people are using Office. Uh, We love the product, and we're going to be investing much, much more there. How many people here use Xbox? Not. A few people less, I guess, than Office. Well, so one thing you may not know is there's a companion application on your phone and on your tablet called Xbox Smart Glass, which allows you to search for music and videos, launch those on your Xbox, or you can use a lot of the new speech recognition commanding built in, to do that searching via voice and to launch those, so it's something that has really been improved in the last few months with Xbox One, so if you haven't tried it yet, it might be something to give a shot. And beyond that, how many people are football fans? Any football fans? Yeah, there we go, excellent. This year, for the first time ever, Microsoft did a national Super Bowl ad. We were super proud of the fact that Microsoft, in that first spot, chose to highlight the power of technology to transform people's lives. And they gave five or six different examples of how that can actually happen and how Microsoft plays a role with its partners in bringing those solutions to market. The reason I share that with you is that we're not just investing in technology. We're also trying to think deeply about how do we raise awareness about accessibility and the power of technology to really be a benefit. Because there are still so many people today that are amazed that somebody who's blind can use a computer. I mean, that's just embarrassing at this point. So, this is one of the reasons we thought it was really important to use that platform to help the rest of the world kind of catch on and get a clue about accessibility and the power of technology. And if you didn't actually check out some of the vignettes that went behind those, there were more extensive storylines that really explained more about the person and their story and how that technology helped them. Also, how about the disability answer desk we launched? How many people have used that? It's a fantastic team. Most of those people were already in our support lines. And what they did is they chose the best support agents across the Microsoft support teams and asked them to join this disability answer desk. They then trained them on ATs if they weren't already using an accessibility technology. They know things about JAWS and Window Eyes and HAL and Supernova and Narrator. So if you have not used that service, I would really encourage you to do that. I'll give you the phone number now, and I will repeat it again at the end, but it's 1-800-936-5900. So if you call in and you have a problem with your AT, problem with the Microsoft product, they not only can help you, but they will actually know what you're talking about, which is a nice change, right? So really proud of the work that that team is doing, and we're getting fantastic reviews from customers. So the only thing I ask of you is, if you have a problem... Please use that resource because, as you know, the more it's used, the more we can invest in that space. It's a bit about our technology. It's a bit about how we're thinking differently. To build our narrator on the phone, one of the things we did differently this year was we had a usability study at CSUN. About ten people from the blind community, low vision community, they actually had a chance to use the phone extensively, use narrator spend time with the engineering team, and then we walked away with a number of items. Not only did the team find that incredibly valuable, they've already made investments and started addressing some of those key issues. Um, They're going to be rolling out soon. So the narrator functionality you're going to hear Brett demonstrate this afternoon already begins to incorporate some of the feedback that your members provided. So thank you for that feedback on behalf of the Windows team, and please keep that coming on all of our products we are going for the same narrator screen reading experience across our phone, tablets, PCs, desktop, and web, so that you will have a consistent experience across any Microsoft solution. And related to that is, how many people here have spent the time configuring a new device, you get it set up just the way you want it, and then you go buy a new one and you have to completely start over? Anyone? Yeah, that's right. Well, so one of the ways we're trying to really ease that is in Windows, the new modern interface, we have our Microsoft account that you can configure, and you can connect multiple accounts into it. You can tell it what kind of color contrast settings, what kind of ATs you like to use, along with things like configuring email accounts and installing apps. What it does is it remembers that. So next time you get a new Windows device, It really streamlines that process and will set up a lot of that for you automatically. So if you know that you need your screen reader to launch automatically, when you set that new device up, it will understand that and start launching that screen reader for you or your magnifier. So it's one step forward down that path of making it so you don't have to continue reteaching every device what you need and want. And where this is all really going is, as we think about, I used the phrase people-centric earlier. So let me take a moment just to explain what we mean. Philosophically, what we're really saying is that it's about time that people stopped having to teach technology and adapt themselves to every piece of technology they encounter. We believe technology should become smart enough to actually start adapting to us as humans. Does anybody think that would be interesting or valuable? Yeah, I mean, science fiction has been talking about artificial intelligence for years. Well, let's start getting some of that artificial intelligence going. As a company, we're investing deeply in machine learning, deeply in thinking about how do you start to create technologies that are smart enough to adapt to the person. For example, I was at a national park recently. The guy next to me who I didn't know was trying to read a smartphone out in the bright sunlight, and he couldn't see the display and he's, you know, trying to shade it with his hands and, you know, leaning over into the shade, and it's just not working. I wanted to badly say, you know, if only you had a screen reader. (laughs) For us photon-dependent people, you know, that really creates a problem. So it's this great moment where you think, you know, why doesn't everyone get to benefit from assistive technology? And why doesn't a person who needs assistive technology have that available wherever they need it? So we're really focusing on creating technologies that can adapt to the person. So that's a lot about your personal preferences and needs. Second is that it can be smart enough to understand the situation that you're in. So if you're in a really noisy environment, it shouldn't be trying to convey things to you via audio unless you have a headset in. Or if you're outside on a bright sunny day and you do depend upon that screen, it shouldn't expect you to be able to see the screen when you can't see it. And the reason it's interesting for us is we believe that's where accessibility starts to benefit and intersect with other mainstream scenarios for people who don't have a disability. And why that's interesting is if we can get everyone excited about accessibility features, then the companies around the world and the people authoring content will start to really understand why this is valuable for everyone. So it's just one way of amplifying the benefit and the value of accessibility. And third, and perhaps most important, is as a person using a technology device, I would like to be able to choose when I speak to it or when I gesture or when I use a keyboard, et cetera, or when it speaks to me or when it shows me something on the screen or when it vibrates and uses you know some sort of tactile feedback. So that's about personal choice and adaptability and being able to interact in multiple ways. So if I use Connect to issue you know, a command, say launch Netflix, play, um, whatever the new thing is, you know, Breaking Bad or whatever it's called, that's great because I'm using speech. Well, that's fantastic if I can speak clearly. But at the same time, I wouldn't want to be forced to use air gestures to enter in an email address because it just doesn't make sense. So it's about the third piece about personalization is about giving us as human beings the ability to choose how we interact with our technologies. So the first is personalizing it. The second is being aware of what situation we're in. And the third is about user choice of input. And so that's how we think about people-centric experiences. So for us, that is where accessibility is core to accessible design. It's core to usable design. And really, it's just core to good design. And I think most of you would probably agree with that, that accessibility really should be playing a more critical role and a key role. So the one final piece of the equation I wanted to talk about is, because I'm trying to paint a picture, we're thinking about technology, we're thinking about how to connect with the community differently, and we're also thinking about how do we, as one of the companies in the industry, help the entire industry and the world start to do a better job with accessibility. Well, One way we're doing that is we're investing and we help to form the International Association of Accessibility Professionals. There were 30 organizations that went in. We founded this organization, launched it at CSUN this year. At this point, we have 1,200 members that have joined in 40 countries, which is pretty phenomenal. What it really says to me is there is such great demand for this. It's something that its time has finally come. And there's three goals for that organization. The first is to train individuals No matter what their job is, they could be a developer or a designer or a business leader or a teacher or a trainer, to train individuals so that they know what accessibility is and how to do it, and very likely to lead to a certification where we know that they can demonstrate they really know what they're talking about. The second piece is organizations. How do you help an organization create an accessibility program or make sure accessibility is core to the way they do business? You know, when they go out and and hire a company to do work for them or when they go buy content or videos, are they making sure those are accessible? Well, how do they do that? So the second piece is helping organizations understand how to be accessible and incorporate accessibility in. And the third piece is helping the thousands of people around the world that are working in accessibility share what's working and what's not working, share those best practices or share the training that they've done or the templates that they're using so that we, around the world, can create a global movement around accessibility where we all do better and we move faster. Because there are far too many places today, as I travel around the world, where an organization has spent $100,000 solving a problem that was already solved six times in other places around the world. You know, We're solving the same problem over and over, and there's a lot of problems we're not solving. So that's the third piece this profession is training individuals, helping organizations, and then building this community of people so they can share best practices and keep up to date. So I'm really proud of the work that these organizations are doing, and I'm happy to be the president of that organization at this point. It's accessibilityassociation.org. And if you're working with people who are trying to learn about accessibility and how to build that into their job, encourage them to get involved and join the organization we 've got our first training course up and running, and we 've got many more to come and we 're doing webinars every month For us, it really is about all of these pieces because you have to have a balance of technology um, and we have a lot of work to do there, but we 're making some fantastic progress you 've got to have good engagement and feedback from all of you from our customers so we 're creating new channels for that we 're doing usability studies and I think this may be our first time we've got somebody here from our engineering group to do a session in the afternoon, so that's something new as well for us. And then the third piece is how do we help the whole industry do a better job. Thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate your feedback.
0: That was Rob Sinclair, Chief Accessibility Officer for Microsoft. Material for this edition of ACB Reports was recorded during the annual conference and convention of the American Council of the Blind, which was held in Las Vegas, Nevada in July 2014. You've been listening to ACB Reports, heard on radio information services nationwide, on side four of the Braille Forum Cassette Edition, and throughout the world on acbradio.org. ACB Reports is produced at Radio Reading Service of Mississippi, a service of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Send suggestions and comments about this program to reports at acbradio.org. Contact the American Council of the Blind online at acb.org or phone 800-424-8666. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next month for another ACB Reports.